Um, we're going to go ahead and jump in and learn a little bit about the Bible. Uh, y'all want to pray with me? Ready, set, go. Father, we thank you for this night. God, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, and uh, bring the Bible to life inside of us and change us, God, from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Something about the Bible, often like when you think about reading your Bible, and you may not, but if you do read your Bible, sometimes you pick it up like this, or if you think about reading your Bible, you'll think about it like this, like, um, I wonder what God has to say to me today, or, huh, what, what can God tell me about this certain situation, or you might think to yourself, the Bible just seems boring, never really read it, but it just seems boring. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the history of a couple books in the Bible that honestly I think are like super not boring. I, it's like really engaging and like, wow, this is a story. Kind of like talked, we had the founding fathers up there and it's like from the beginning of America and you, read, you, you learn about it in history class and like, man, there's a story that actually happened. The Bible is just one big old story about God, his creation the fall of those people, and then how he is planning on and already has done something to make that right. So it's not like, you know, God wrote a letter to you. It's really, he did write something to apply to you and to you. But what's really going on, like if you really step back and look at, man, what, it, what is this? It's, it's a big old history book about how God has started something and about how God is going to finish it. And we find ourselves in the middle of it. So it's really important, like, if you, you know, imagine being in a relationship with somebody and you wake up one day or, or, you know, you don't even know this person. You look at them, they're like, hey, what's up? And they're back and forth to you. And you ever met someone you don't recognize and they recognize you and they're talking about stories that you have no idea. And you're thinking to yourself, man, it'd be cool if I knew what the story was right now. Like, this is a weird moment and it just ends up being, hey, good to see you. Thank you. And you got to get out as soon as possible because you don't know what's going on. Life's a lot like that if you're not aware of the story of God. And so it's not about like, hey, have you read your Bible lately? Because if you read your Bible, then you, that means that you love God. That's not the story that the Bible projects. The story that is projected in the scripture is this is the story of God. And this is how it began. And this is how it's going. And this is how it's going to end. And it's part of your story. Your life finds itself, itself wrapped up in the middle of that. And so I think it's important, like, we're going to look at the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. It's a book about, guess, guess what? It's a book about queens. One laugh in the back. It's actually a book about, say it with me, kings. So it's a book about kings. It's a book about presidents. Two books. They were separated kind of down the middle. It's the same big old long story about a bunch of presidents from a nation called Israel. And in the middle of that story about all of these kings, it's really interesting. You're actually going to find yourself and relate and be like, I kind of connect with that. It was written a long time ago, but I understand what that is. I understand what that feels like. And then when you start finding these truths about what God has done, what he's doing and what he will do, you start, you start feeling like, man, the scripture, the Bible is actually like engaging. 
It has something to say about the world, about life. And I'm just in the middle of all that stuff. So, so God, what, what are you saying about the world? What have you done? And so I think we can find ourselves in the middle of these stories. And so the Kings uh, are two books in the Old Testament. And they tell the story of King David's son. Remember David and Goliath? Goliath is big old dude. David, this kind of like young little guy. And he slings a couple stones and bashes it in his head. And then, I mean, dude, like, what, what, why don't you want to know about this story? He cuts his head off. This is fun stuff. Well, the book of the kings, the books of the kings are about his sons who rule and continue on the rule that he had. King David was the second king in the nation's history. Who was the second president in our nation's history? Thomas Jefferson. And so you want to learn about the Thomas Jefferson of that story? Here he is, King David. And the, the book is about King David's son Solomon. In the first 10 chapters of this book, you find that, man, this dude Solomon, he was the man. What a dude. Best looking guy in the whole country. Had all kinds of girls after him. Every guy wanted to be like him, every girl with him. Super powerful, rich, famous, one of the wisest people to ever walk the face of the earth. And up until that point, the Bible says, like, is, like, was the wisest guy. Man, it's a book about the story of this guy's life. And then we, we're going to jump in and see how it moves past him and into other kings. So it's a book about, uh, um, it's a book about this wealthy man. And unfortunately, this wealthy man, in the beginning of it, the story of Solomon, it doesn't end as well as it begins. The end of the story, it shows that his story ended up following into false gods and worshiping other idols. You ever relate to like starting in one place and then finishing another? Getting up in the morning, intending this, but then being off on another track? And, and that's all this, this is about. It's about a guy who did the exact same thing. And then it shows right after he passed it on to his son, the entire kingdom, the nation of Israel, split. It's called a civil war. You ever, you know, the year civil war happened and it's kind of like north and south. Well, that's exactly what happened with this nation of Israel. And there was a king up here and there was a king down there. Just a cool story to learn about the history of these people that we call the Jews, who God just showed up to one day prior to and made this nation out of these people. And so the rest of the books of, or the chapters of First and Second Kings, it, it, it continues to show a slow fade of men who seem to be in a competition to be worse than the last king. And then the next king comes up, it's his son, he's like, and it, I'm even going to be worse than him. And then the next one comes up and he's like seven years old. And he's like, nah, bro, I'm going to be worse than him. Like, and it goes on and on and on. And the Bible continues to say like, these dudes just can't get it right. They just can't figure it out. And, and it happens so quickly. The first king, I mean, it, it went like sharp drop. His name was Saul. And then it gets to David and it's like, oh, this may work. And then it gets to Solomon, and this may work. And then it's like, yo, this ain't working. All the way down the hill. And they end up a wreck. A couple of nations 
that are fighting against one another, don't like each other, fighting at all the people around them. I mean, this is the heritage of the Christian faith. This is not a good story. And this is not something we're really proud of. If you're a Christian, you're like, yeah, I come from good genes. My forefathers were knuckleheads. They were worse and worse and worse and worse. And, but, but that's the story of you and me. We relate to that. We relate and identify with this, this idea that, man, it's kind of like, whoa. And then what do you do in those moments? Like, what does God think about that? How's he feeling about when your story looks like the story of the kings? Often down, occasionally up. And every now and then in the kings, you'll see like, that dude gets it. I mean, that one king for a few years there, he really got it. But then the same king a few years later, it's life. It's the story of humanity. God's wrapped up in the middle of all that stuff. He's got opinions about it, thoughts about it. He could stay. He could go. He could rescue them. He could push them away. Isn't it interesting? And our lives are very, very much similar to that. And the, the book ends with the nations captured and sent into exile. I want to read 2 Kings chapter 25. 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 1 through 7. I want to tell you, it started so amazing. And then at the end of 2 Kings chapter 25, it says this in verse 1 through 7. And in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came with all his army against Jerusalem and laid siege to it. It's a bad story. Started great, man. Ending pretty rough. He, he laid siege to it and they built siege works all around it. So the city was besieged till the 11th year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine was so severe. So there's no food in the whole country. There was no food for the people of the land. Then a breach was made in the city and all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between the two walls. By the king's garden, the Chaldeans were all around the city. There's no food. All the fighting men are gone. King's coming from other countries. It's not looking good. Remember, God started these, this people group and gave them a powerful king. And he said, man, through this king, one day I'm going to save this whole kingdom. is going to come out of great things into the world, out of this one king. But it's not looking so good. Not looking like these people are going to make it at this point. Goes on. And they went in the direction of the Arabah. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. And all his army was scattered. So here's the king scattered no one around him all by himself then they captured the king and brought him up to the king of babylon at riblah and they passed sentence on him here's the best part they slaughtered the sons of zedekiah the king before his eyes and they put out his eyes and bound him in chains and took him to babylon and so it ends and that's it pretty good story the kings the men the powerful They had it all together. They ruled. And it's ending with the king having his eyes plucked out. But just before that, killed all his people right in front of him. And this is the story of God. Isn't this a fascinating, like, in the middle of the Bible, like, whoa. There's some things happening in the past. God, like, whoa. And it's the same God today here in America where I live, where I sit. And 
he was the God of that particular king and he watched that particular king's eyes being plucked out of his head? Pretty wild. Not pretty boring. Pretty crazy. Right? And so the, the book of the king, the books of the kings, rather, they highlight two big truths. Two big truths. God was faithful to his covenant that he made with the people of Israel. God didn't break his covenant. You ever told somebody you're going to be their best friend? And then a week later, stole your girlfriend? Didn't keep the promise. Or, or for real, like been really good friends with somebody. And then, you know, you hear like, I don't know, a month later, backstabbing you, talking nasty about you, saying negative things. God could have done all of these things. See, because what the story in the Kings, what you see is they would betray him, God. They'd betray God over and over. And he would step in through a prophet and say, this is what you should be doing. And this is what the people did. Nope, I'm good. Don't need it. Don't want it. If you were a friend, if you were family with those people who were continuously, no, 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 backward, what would you do? Would you be like, no, it's good. Let's keep being friends. And what if they did that for year after year after year after year, and you give them a chance, they'd come back, and then they'd run again. And give them a chance, they'd come back, and then they'd run again. What would you do? Well, I'll tell you what God did. God stayed with them the entire time. Now, he didn't honor those types of things, but he never left them. You ever felt like God should leave you? You ever felt like, man, if people only knew who I really was, they wouldn't stick around. And they wouldn't, and they probably shouldn't. But you know who does? God. And he proved it for like, and not just like for a minute with one person, but with like for many, many, many years, over and over and over, king after king after king after king, generation after generation after generation, God stuck around. The, the books of the kings tell a story about God being faithful to his people. We need to hear that. Because people are not like God. Jobs are not like God. School's not like God. A lot of things in life, near everything in life, does not represent God that you're going to engage as a young person. You're going to look at social media, and it's not a good story about God. This, though, God sticking around through your mess is a good story about God. And I want to remind you, he sticks around. The Bible is a story about a God who doesn't leave when it gets tough. Doesn't leave when you're a dummy. That's what you call good news. It's also, it's also about the people of God. And how they were faithful also. In breaking the covenant of God. So not only do you have uh, like these two books telling a big old story about a great God who is faithful. But like almost equally as loud you see the story of people who are just as faithful. In doing the exact opposite. If you witnessed a girlfriend and boyfriend situation like that, what would you advise to your friend if they were the one that was always faithful and that person was the one that was always unfaithful? Let's just like really think about it. What would you say? Would you say this? I'm going to tell you, I think they're going to be different. I think you should stick around. They're going to give them another chance. They're going to change. You've probably said the exact opposite, haven't you? Man, that person's no good for you. You shouldn't. Man, no, nah, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with that. That's the story of humanity. That's us. I feel like that often. God, on the other hand, 
He's telling a story about that is the people's story. But that's not the story of God. So we find ourselves in the middle of that every single day. So we're going to pick up in the middle of this storyline, right? Where like God's faithful, people are unfaithful. And we're going to observe one of the kings that the Bible says was more wicked than any other king before him. His name was Ahab. Have you ever met an Ahab before? The reason you haven't met an Ahab is because every parent knows, don't name your son Ahab. He's the worst. Just joking. If you want to name your son Ahab, you can. It's just a bad idea. His name was Ahab, and he was married to a woman named Jezebel. I bet you she was real ugly, too. So we're going to take a look. We're going to take a look at our friend Ahab and Jezebel. 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29 through 33. We're being introduced to Ahab. And Jezebel, verse 29, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Can you imagine having the worst president for 22 years? How about the worst teacher? Who do you know that you hate as a teacher? Imagine 22 years. All of you homeschoolers, you love your teacher. 22 years they've been having this knucklehead over them. Ahab, son son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is the king that God put in place to show and tell the people about who God was. And what does this Ahab go and do? He says, oh, I got a good idea. Let me go find a wife who worships other gods. And also, let me put God in the back seat. And let me create a new national religion. And we're going to serve Baal, the god of rain and the god of lightning. Bad idea, Ahab. Let me go reorient everything. Let me turn all the truth of God upside down and put a new package together. And I'm going to tell the people that there's a new way to be, a new way to think, a new way to live. And it's not the old way. We're going to put all those books away that were from way back. We're going to stop telling those stories about God creating. That's not true. Let's talk about a new truth. This is what Ahab did. Without knowing the ending, you think it went well for Ahab? You got to think about our culture. You got to think about the worlds we live in. Let's put away that God truth. Let's put away that stuff that people used to talk about. We're, you hear the word often, we're progressive. We're learning new things. We trust science. I mean, come on. Isn't it obvious? That stuff's like, you know, old school. That's how they used to do stuff. This is, this is the story of the day. Ahab tried that. 
long time ago. That's a played out routine. Happened king after king after king. And we're just one of those guys now in the middle of a story just like that with a king, with a governor, with a president, with culture, with society, with people telling us, put away that old stuff. Lean into the new stuff. Well, you already know it probably didn't end well for Ahab. What do you think about nowadays? You think it's going to end well? If we kind of buy in and think, yeah, you know, it's not like that anymore. Probably not. He, speaking of um, Ahab, erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. You got to see this. This is a bad, dirty, wicked, dark time. What does God do in the middle of that stuff? Our culture right now, there's a lot of reasons you could look around and you could say, man, it's a dark time. Was God there? Here? He didn't seem to be there. Because the king who was supposed to represent God, like he was telling a different story. That'd be like coming to church on a Sunday and all of a sudden the pastor stands up and starts saying some things like, y'all, I know last week or like, you know, a couple years ago we used to talk about this Bible. I got a new idea though. I built this, this thing out of a tree. Cut it all nice and clean. It's a pole. And I'm going to give it a name. It's materialistic pole. That's the name of it. It's like, you know, we just, it's, The God of material, like the things you need, this is the stuff that's important. How you look and how you feel and how you come across. And this is what I want y'all to believe. That is what matters. Y'all come on up and let's pray. You'd be like, uh, huh? And that's what's going on. Like, you're looking at this, you're like, these guys, are these guys idiots? Wait, and, and here's the worst, like the people... The people who went to church believed them. And they're like, all right, I can get with that. That feels good. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll worship that piece of wood back there. Trust that he's going to do something for me. As silly as that seems, this is the story you find yourself in every day. Being tempted and provoked to believe things that are altogether untrue, that if you were in a different time and generation, you would look at it and be like, yo, that's stupid. But when you're in the middle of it and you're wrapped up in it and the story is so loud, it's all over TikTok, it's all over YouTube, it's guys who are just playing games and subliminal, they're like, you're watching and there's subliminal message going about truth. And you're like, oh, I guess that's true. And you hear things like, well, it's not that big of a deal to live with your girlfriend or your boyfriend before you get married. I mean, it's probably better to experiment to understand what kind of person you need to be with anyway. If you would have been back or in a different generation, you'd have looked at that and you'd be like, that doesn't make sense. But then we walk into today and we're like, well, it kind of makes sense. 
It's like you're in a cloud and you're in a fog and all these adults are above you, like your professors one day in universities and in, in high schools now, they're, they're going to teach you these things. They're going to say, hey, this is right. You're going to go to work and they're going to be like, look, you know, like this is the way things are. And you're going to be like, oh, okay. You're going to be tempted to believe things that are altogether untrue and just look like a piece of wood and you're bound down to it. It looks dumb, but we get wrapped and we say, yes. It's no different. It's the same story. It's the same broken, tired story that's been being told for thousands of years to kids, to adults, that to believe these new things are the right way to be. That's the right way to go. Just read your Bible, man. Not because you're like trying to be a good Christian, because you see what happens. It doesn't end well for Ahab. It doesn't end well for Jezebel. It doesn't end well for the king who got his eyes plucked out and all of his kids. They were broken as a nation. Solomon had it all together, then started worshiping other people. It doesn't end well. Some things are just obvious. But when we're in it, they're not so obvious. I bet you some of you are in situations that in the moment they don't feel so obvious, and then you step back sometimes and you look at it, you're like, it's pretty obvious. But what the Bible does, it reminds us that we're in the middle of a story, being told things that are not true. And then moments like this, God reaches into our heart and says, that's not true. And then he inserts a moment called repentance where you say, I am sorry for believing a lie. I don't want to be like those people that I see in the Bible. God, give me grace to believe your truth. And then you become a person who is hungry to find truth because you care about not becoming an Ahab or a Jezebel. You care because God has gripped you and he's spoken things to you. And you become, this is what we call like a different person. You see things differently. These guys didn't see it right. So Ahab, he was a boss king. He didn't have anyone challenging him. The way he said it was going to be, it was going to be. This is called popular culture today. The way they said, man, that's the way it is. And don't say anything against it. Because if you say anything against it, man, you're being intolerant. Man, if you say something against the way she wants to be or the way he wants to be, like, you're not leaving any room. Who are you to, who are you to say people can be a certain way and can't be a certain way? Like, who makes you the judge? No, it's not me. God is. But Ahab, see, he had no one around him, seemingly, who was like stepping up and saying like, he was just the boss, man. He ran them all off. He was pop culture. He was cool. He was right. He was now. He was present. But someone showed up. His name was Elijah. He was a prophet. Why? Not because Ahab deserved it but because the first thing that the books of the kings tells us is that God never leaves. So God shows up and sends a man named Elijah to speak into this culture, to speak into the lie, to be, speak into the stupidity, and to say, what are you doing? You think it goes well for Elijah? You think it's going to be easy for him? You think it's just going to be like walking and be like, hey, I'm a Christian. Like, you should come and listen to the truth that I got to say because it's easy to believe. And it's like, you know, it's right and it's good. And like, you know, you're going to go to heaven one day if you listen. You think it's like that? It's not like that. 
He's scared, man. He's afraid. On, the, on his way to go see this man Ahab, there, Ahab's, one of his servants meets Elijah in the field. And Elijah's like, hey, go tell this dude that I'm coming. And this dude's so scared of the king, it's his boy. He's like, if I go tell him that you're coming, he might kill me. No, I'm not going to tell him you're coming. Go tell him I'm coming. I got something to say. That's just to illustrate, it's not easy. It's hard. Ahab is a boss. Everyone listens to him. Everyone bows down to him. This is the world you live in. There's a loud boss out there. It's not easy. It's not just like wake up and be a Christian. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to be a person who doesn't waste my summer. It's tough. But God shows up every time. So the good news is God did not leave. And there were far more people on Ahab's side outnumbering Elijah and his side. And that's the story we live in. How many Christians do you know? Outside of this place. How many people you see on TikTok who are not Christians? Bruh, lots. It's outnumbered. It's tough. The loudest voices in our culture seem to be doing the same things. They're embracing many gods. And not the God of the Old and New Testament. And like tonight is a night where God shows up. And he's like, this is what's true. Those are lies. He gives us his spirit, convicts us of sin. And we look up and we see. It's a night like that tonight. So 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 and 18 says this. When Ahab saw Elijah, the guts, the audacity. Here, this is from the Grinch. The unmitigated gall. Anyone know that line? Yes, I got one lame college kid. 1 Kings 18, 17, and 18. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? Whoa. Oh, I'm the bad guy. You ever been made to feel like you're the bad guy when you show up to speak truth? Yes, you do. And yes, you will. And it will feel bad. (laughs) He shows up with God's word and, and the big voice comes back, says, you, you're messing with us. You're troubling us. You're a punk. Why are you trying to come in here and be somebody? Elijah's like, whoa, I'm the troubler of Israel? I like like that God doesn't back down. It's evident through this. I mean, that's a raging bull of a king right there. This this is in the middle of a forefather-tier dynasty. Okay, like you're walking into like four dads, dad, son, son, son. It's a dominant powerhouse. And... Elijah's just walking in, and I'm telling you, that is the culture we're in today. It's a powerhouse against God. And Elijah comes walking in, and then he blames him like he's doing something wrong. How dare you? But God doesn't run, and Elijah doesn't run. 
And he answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you have your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Ahab accuses Elijah as being the troubler of Israel. He's saying that the problem being brought to the people of God is through God's man. See how backward that is? And this is what society is telling y'all today. The problem is that intolerant Christians are not creating space for everyone else. That's not true. The problem is you and your daddy have been ruling and reigning in a way, that's what he says, that's been teaching untruth for generations now, upon generations, and Elijah doesn't run from it. If you don't know this, and if you don't spend time with this, and you're not clear on what has happened and what God does when big culture starts talking to you, what do you think you're going to do? If you don't have a model in front of you like Elijah who says, no, not me, you. This is where God builds us to become people like Christ who can stand in the middle of persecution to the point of death, suffering, bloodshed. Not that we even have to deal with that, but because of the word of God being formed inside of us and because of our commitment to do God's will, you know what we do in that moment? We don't back down. We don't. But how do you expect to have that if you just, man, I just kind of play games, man. I just like hanging out. I just, you know, I just kind of like, I got my routine. I like to sleep in till 11. It's because I played till 1 a.m. And then I just kind of hang out. Where do you hang out? Mainly on my phone. It's a cool place to hang, man. And then the temptation comes. Is it any wonder when big boy temptation comes your way, you don't feel strengthened to respond? It's no wonder. And this is what we're called to do every day to fill ourselves with Scripture, with the stories that empower us, that that God breathes that stuff inside of us and gives us courage and strength to stand. And you end up joining the military or going to college. And one day, everything is a tidal wave against you in a way that, listen, you have not experienced yet. And when it comes... You don't want to be whipped around to and fro, believing every single little lie, but instead finding yourselves in the words of truth of the scripture. The Bible says this, Jesus says, hey, whoever does my word, when the storm comes, which it will, that person will stand solidly because they have a solid foundation. But watch out, the one who doesn't, the winds and the waves are going to come and they'll get washed away. They'll get washed away. You ever seen someone leave the youth group? You ever seen an older sibling? You ever seen someone who used to and now not anymore? You can retrace. At some point, they got away from the word of God. At some point, they forgot about the history, the heritage of the nation of Israel. At some point, they forgot that they needed to insert Jesus' words into their lives as truth so that on the day they would stand. This is no joke, y'all. 
It's serious stuff. It's eternal stuff. And people are out there. They need the truth. They're searching for the truth, and they're being whipped around. You, maybe, are being whipped around, and this truth has been here and will not leave, and it shows up like Elijah. And when it should back down, it doesn't back down. They can burn a bunch of these, but this word is never going away. And for us to not know it, for us to not find ourselves in the stories of the kings and to recognize that we are called to be the Elijahs of this generation. Come on, y'all. It's not like you got to go to church. It's like, what? This is what I get to do? This is who God has called me to be? Man, I have a mission. I have a story. I have a passion. I can show this generation what is true and right and good. That sounds like a compelling life. This is what God has given us. Through his word, he's reminding us of these things. 1 Kings 18, 19 through 21. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. Remember all those idols, the pieces of wood on the stage? Well, like 850 people decided that they were going to be full-time pastors for the pieces of woods on stage. Real smart people, huh? Don't make fun too much because this is us, man. So 850 of them. He calls together and he says, so Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel and and Elijah came near to all the people and said this, and this is where we're going to land and wrap it tonight. How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. That's the deal. So Elijah comes up, and this is where we find ourselves, not only as the speaker of truth, but as the hearer of truth. And let's posture ourselves tonight as the hearer. And and the word of God comes to us through the prophet. Today, you know what it's coming through? Through the scripture. And it comes in the form of the Holy Spirit here to you right now, not through the form of Aaron saying some words, but God gripping your heart by his spirit and says this, if God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. But stop limping around, deciding which one do I want to serve. And there's nothing we can really do or say to persuade you about who and which and what. Uh, like, I don't know how to prove that. In a, in a minute, we're not going to go into it. God proved it. And like, go read it, because it's really fun. But tonight, the gripping on our heart, the Spirit of God is proving. The conviction, the moment you're, huh. That sounds true. It sounds right. I feel that. God, that's hard. I know exactly what he's talking about. You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit inside of you saying something to you. And this is what he's saying. God is God. Serve him. Baal is not God. So stop going like this. 
Don't waste your summer choosing between gods. Spend your summer choosing God. And it's because he's chosen, like a night like that, he has chosen, he's chosen to show up right now to speak truth to you, to tell you the good news. Here's the last thing I'll say. The very end of Kings. They're deported and exiled, which means they're taken to another country. They burned their temple. They broke down their walls. They killed their whole working army. It was just done, done, done. King's gone. Everything's sad story. But there's one more king. And that king is left. And the other king, who's the sovereign one now over him from another nation, he allowed him to live. And I kind of picture it in my mind as I read it. Like, almost like at the end of a story when the guy kind of winks at the camera and a sparkle goes out. And it's like, gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever seen something like that? Like, they think, but I gotcha. And that's like kind of what it feels like at the very end. There's this moment where he's like, all he did was let him live. That was it. He just let him live. And he's like, I'll give you food and let you live. And I see the king kind of curled up in a corner at the end of the table, just like, you know, dressed like a pauper, just really poor, no kingliness about him. And he just kind of looks at the camera and says, I see you. Because later on in the story, there's another king. Because God doesn't leave. And there's a moment that King Jesus is born. And finally, and so this is the Jewish people, right? And this is us. We get to be invited into the story. Finally, there's a king who will be faithful. Finally, there's a king who will not resist God. There's finally a king, no longer like Ahab, but one who is like Elijah, one who stands for truth, one who does the right thing. And not only that, but that king has distributed his Holy Spirit to be inside of me. And not only that, that king, he stood in front of God and he paid the price for all of the Ahab Jezebel inside of me that I I could never pay. He did that king. And his name is Jesus. And so when I tell you like, man, the Bible is filled with goodness and truth, there is a story about your life inside of the scripture that is continuing on. It's that guy at the end of the table just looking at the camera, and there's a story that's continuing, and it's not, and it's not over yet. That King Jesus was killed. They tried to Elijah him. You troubler of Israel, get down. Broke him into the grave, and what happened? God raised him up, and he said, the story's not over. I'm coming back, and I'm bringing with me that the power of heaven, and I'm going to gather all of my people. That's awesome stuff for us. And he is inviting us, King Jesus, to saddle up, to stand strong. And while there's exile happening eternally for other people, he's inviting us in through, through the work that he's done on the cross to be forgiven of sin, that we would never have to be exiled, but rather we would be invited in for eternity into God's kingdom and there'll be one king for all of eternity and it won't be Ahab. It'll be Jesus. This is called the gospel. And you know what the gospel is? Good news. It doesn't look like getting your eyes plucked out. It doesn't look like later on for Ahab, his blood on the ground being licked up by dogs. Not King Jesus. It looks like resurrection, power, forgiveness, and eternity with him. Good news, y'all. Let's stand up.
We're going to pray real quick. Maybe tonight there's a couple of you who would like to be prayed for. And there's some people who are trusted in here who are leaders who, might, who would love to pray with you. And that may be one of you, maybe none of you, maybe ten of you. Um, I want to create a moment or a space here uh, for some of you who, f- who have like felt like, not like a feeling, but like you've felt the tug and the pull of the Holy Spirit to follow him and to stop waffling between a couple of opinions. That of God or that of Baal. And so if, if, that, if that's you, I'm, I'm going to pray in a moment, but man, I'd like, I'd like to invite you to, to like, we're going to break up and go hang out. But if you'd like prayer for something like that, like just coming on up here and give a, giving some space for God and someone to agree with you and to, and to encourage you and to pray for you, Maybe God's grabbing you. God's calling you to be an Elijah to this generation. Or maybe, maybe it's not that he's calling you for the first time, but maybe there's like a, a moment here tonight where you see truth and you just need to get a minute by yourself to like, to kind of finish this thing. Because like, you could just kind of hop up and go play some games and that's fine if you do. But for some of you, there may need to be a moment where you just kind of get before God and just pray. And to ask him to give you strength for this story to be part of your story. To be that, that person filled with courage and strength. And that would be okay as well. And obviously you're not hurting anyone's feelings. If you don't, take a moment for other people to pray for you. And then feel free to go hang out. Um, but hang out probably in the hallways if there are people who need to be prayed for. So we could just kind of hang for a few minutes. All right, so I'm going to pray. And then right after... Those of you who like to go and hang, y'all can go hang out or be very quiet in here. And then for those of you who might want some prayer, you can kind of come gather and then maybe some of the leaders can uh, pray and agree with you. Father, we thank you for this night. We're grateful for your word, most of all. God, we're grateful um, that you have not left us alone without truth. You have not left us um, in the wind, just asking ourselves, like, what is the meaning of life or why am I here? But God, you have, you have given us a great book about the story of how you are redeeming and changing us. God, for those who have heard you tonight, give them courage and strength to respond, not not afterward in this moment, but God, mainly to respond in life. God, give them courage and strength. By your spirit, give them the strength to, to follow hard after you and to not waste their summer or their life bouncing between two different gods. God, we're grateful that you are so patient. We're grateful that the story of the kings is the story of our lives, that you have always been faithful and you will continue to be faithful. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if y'all want some prayer, there's some people that would pray for you. If not, Y'all are welcome to hang. And last thing I want to say, we want to celebrate Seth on his way out. This is going to be his last Wednesday for at least a month or so as he's going up to do some stuff in the east, not New Orleans east, um, to, to kind of learn and grow in his skill. But y'all celebrate Seth before he leaves. Good dude. He's not going to be here for a month, but he'll be back. Yeah, there you go. But if y'all want some, if y'all want some prayer, if y'all want some prayer, come on up. And we'll have some leaders who will come on up and pray with you.